What's happening, my people? It's your boy E to the T, one-third of uh, the Thread Live podcast. You're about to tune in to episode 47, where we got the opportunity to sit down with Cliff Averill and Mike Bennett of the Seattle Seahawks. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, so some parts of this podcast will be difficult to understand or even hear. But we at the Thread Live decided that this episode was too good to trash. We uh, just wanted to give you forewarning, and uh, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Episode 47 of the Thread Live Podcast. <laughs> y'all ready to get rich? Oh, phone's on back. Hey, you're now rocking with the Thread, baby. Good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and beautiful people all across the world. It's that time again for your favorite podcast. This is the Thread Live. I am your host, E to the T. I'm your girl, Rudy Two E's, no hucks, no hoes. And they call me Turk. Uh, my family told me to stop saying I'm pissing people off, so we're just going to lighten some people today. What you got for me, ET? Uh, we got two. Me off. <laughs> <laughs> like, just looking at you is pissing me off. <laughs> we got a very special set of guests today. We got one of our sponsors. What did they say? Cha-ching. <laughs> Cha-ching. We got the Haitian creation himself, Mr. Cliff Averill. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? About time y'all got me on this doggone show. And who, who you got with you, brother? Who did you bring with you? I brought my guy, man. My brother on the football field, off the field. My man, Michael Bennett, in the building. Hello, America. <laughs> hey, man, you can't be doing all that whispering, man. Yeah, what's up, man? Right. Thank you. But listen, no, hold on. I, hold on. I, no, I got you, Rudy. I got you. No, listen. Because as annoying as he be, and even though less than two, then less than half of this show is not Haitian, he ain't even sock passe us today. Yeah, you got the Haitian creation on the show, and you didn't open up with and a sock passe. Sock passe us, like. Good morning, good afternoon, <laughs> good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and beautiful people all across the world. And one time for the culture, one time for the one time, I'd like to say sock passe. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hey, Mike, Cliff, I appreciate y'all for coming through to the show, man. Yeah, man. It's a long time coming. They've been asking for it. So uh, one, th- one thing that we like to do here at the Thread Live, man, you, you uh, both of y'all, y'all got to unhumble yourselves. Uh, I was born Un- humble. Unhumble? Un- I was born humble. Uh, you got you to gotta be unhumble today. <laughs> so don't All right, be, that's so, a bet. So, so, so just, 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 so <laughs> when, we, when we ask you questions, you need to talk that talk. As if that's just me though. Oh, exactly. So let's let's get to work. No, no politically correct answers. Tell how you really feel. I got you. I don't do politically correct. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nothing about Rudy politically. Don't do. Don't be extra. Ain't nothing about Rudy politically or correct. (laughs) (laughs) You hate him. But uh, man, Cliff. Uh, so what you got going on right now, man? What's happening, man? What's going on, man? We uh, shoot down here in Jacksonville for the for the Jags Seahawks game. Um, you know, just happy to be home. Unfortunately, I can't play this week. It is what it is, and just you know. And on top of that, you know, uh, got a couple things going. I brought some kids from Haiti to the game, and you know, just trying to make the world a better place. What, Mike? What you got going on, brother? Uh, Besides CNN interviews, (laughs) right? I'm here, you know, for the game and stuff. But of course, um, you know, watching the kids Cliff bringing from Haiti. And uh, speaking of kids from Haiti and injuries. while we're on the show, I think a lot of fans don't really talk about that part of the game, the part where you got guys who su- suffer certain type of injuries that happen to them, and then 
what we do in the community. So it's good to be on a show like this to be able to highlight those type of things that people don't really know. We, man, Mike, man, that's 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 a good point, man. Um, let's jump right into it, man. Um, Drew Brees just recently came out. He was talking about these. Came out talking about. <laughs> he spoke out about Thursday night football. Like, what's y'all's take about that? My take, my take is that, that you got to speak about it from the beginning. See, guys only want to speak about it when they're affected by it. And when it doesn't affect the whole, for me, it's about how does it affect the whole community. And for us, it's been affecting us from the beginning. But now that they lose one guy in the year that they seem like they can go to the Super Bowl, it seems like it's a good thing to talk about now. It's a big deal. But we've been talking about just the longevity of people's bodies. For me, it's not really about you know, what we do at this moment is about how we live in the future with our lives. And I think a lot of times as players, we don't look into that part of the game. We're so busy focusing on a championship or, you know, the validation from the fans and everything that doesn't make any sense. But I'm glad he said something, you know, you can't hit on a man for finally saying something. Definitely. Uh-huh. Right. It ain't no time to bounce back. Them things is, is terrible. <laughs> hey, Mike, um, you got a book coming out. Yeah. How to make white people uncomfortable. Things that make white people uncomfortable. Things that white make white people comfortable. Uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Um, what's behind that? Is like, cause when you hear that title, you would think, oh man, like this. He he trying to start something. So like, what's really behind that? face value when people think about college football they just think about you know which what number of ranking is their team in the playoffs but for us the college experience could be you know Completely very controversial different. with injuries it could be you know you know going from a boy to a man what it feels like to be in an environment where you're the only minority in a situation where everything you taught to be is against your culture and you can't it's hard to validate who you are and grow as a man so there's a lot of different things that we talk about we talk i talk about the book too I think I think about you know like I talk about the word nigger. I think it's a very it's a very strong word for you know as a as a white as a white person saying and what it means to them, bringing up the past history, what people have been through, and for us, you know we've been as black people we've always said the word, but we never really understand the magnitude of what it means, yeah, and it's broken up between young people and old people. Old people they hate the word, but for young people. It's, it's an adjective, it's a verb, it's a noun. It's like, nigga, pass the peas. Nigga, where you going to be? <laughs> and for old people, they hear the word nigga, and it kind of brings them to the moment where, where Jim Crow and where they felt like everything was segregated. So getting to the depth of those type of things and the relationships with my daughters and what it is to be a man in this generation and what it is to be able to you know, be vulnerable and be able to have conversations about the importance of women and what they mean to us as a culture and how you know, minority women have been torn down and broken down from the beginning. And so it's a lot of different titles and, you know, Black Lives Matter, different things like that. Okay, so since we're already talking about the book, um, so what is one of your favorite things that makes white people uncomfortable? Or that you do that you feel as though make white people uncomfortable? I think speak the truth. I think, I think having a voice is what makes them uncomfortable because we've been in a situation where we haven't been able to voice our opinion. We haven't been able to live our lives we haven't been able we've always been dehumanized because of the way we look how we talk and, and so for us to be in this generation where we have our own podcast and supporting each other and doing all these different things it gives us a voice and it's time for our young people to have that voice too to love who they are and for me i think that's the i think that kind of bothers people us loving ourselves the way that we do and um 
And so for me, that chapter, the, the, the chapter in the book for me that's the, was the, the, be- the hardest chapter really to write, uh, to write for me was the NFL reality because in that chapter in the book, you, you kind of kind of go through, you know, I talk about, you know, one of our friends catching a touchdown pass and the crowd screams, but here he is unconscious on the field. So as we look at, there's two, two things. As a player, we're looking at a human being, but as a fan, they're looking at a fantasy. And to bring those things to reality to meet is a hard thing for people to do. And so for me, that's the hardest chapter to write because I'm in this chapter talking about how I get scared as a player and how I'm vulnerable as a man to be playing this sport. And it's just, this is a really in-depth book, so it's really cool. Okay, okay. So thinking about um, <coughs> social media, and of course, uh, they say now, the way that a lot of women post themselves is very dehumanizing. So how do you feel as though um, culture or those things that we are doing to make white people uncomfortable, how do, we, how do you feel like that affects what people are doing on social media now? I think sex I think sales. I think sex sales, too. But I think also it's who we value these days. I think in the past we valued different women or different people who had political clout or they did a certain thing in the world, you know. And we have the same people, but we, but because social media makes it cool not to be, you know, a lawyer, not to be, you know, activist. And you look at Michelle Obama, she's everything a woman should be. But then you now you got people like Jenner, nothing against Amber Rose, but, you know, <laughs> all that, I mean, nothing against those people, but the way that they lead the young women, you know, they're all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know, it's just a hard generation for women to live in because the, you got you got the sex sex thing then, you, and you got being independent. So I don't know how you really <laughs> it's it. tough. This yeah. is a tough. This is oh, tough. y'all don't got to tell me in this industry. <laughs> I mean, in 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 history, attractive women have, have pretty much moved the needle as far as culture goes. But is that just for us, though? That's the question. Like, in history, has it just been attractive, like, attractive black women? That's the only way they can succeed? Or has it been women in general? Is that the only way they can succeed? Because I feel like it's a little harder for black women in general. Like, if you had a smart black woman and a dumb, beautiful <laughs> black woman, like, who like who would you prefer to talk to? Like, I would prefer to talk to, like, a person that has substance, you, substance more so than, I mean, obviously you want somebody to look good, but... But I would think about to talk it. to somebody that has some substance, like that's smart, that that can hold these conversations. But, uh, but but society doesn't like that's not what people value anymore. But initially, but you're not all even women going who are influential, at least all black women who are influential at this point, can you say that any of them are not good looking? I can. Who? I, I've I've gotten. Who? Michelle Obama not attractive. What? She's she's not that bad. Hey, hold up! I, I met her. I Me and her, she we. She, I, I agree with that. Hey, but she tall. She, she real tall. Michelle Obama's not attractive though. She's not killing it like Wait, that. What's not attractive about her? She's not like, like, you're beautiful. Yeah, like, like she, what she brings, quality, like mentally and all that I stuff. Think she's I don't, but she, I, don't, I don't think she's like as bad as people make. She it. funny looking. She like, no. in the face. She funny looking. She got nice hips, but she got like a wide chin. Don't she got like an overbite? I just want all my. <laughs> I just, I just, Michelle, you know, you know, we here, so I, ain't, I ain't, I ain't dealing with that. So. Uh, and <laughs> Michelle, I, I think she's you, a so beautiful human being. I'm, I'm, be cool. I'm not saying she's ugly, but I'm not. I'm saying what I'm saying is well, she's I'm, not attractive I'm, I'm, to you. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, still, I, I, I like, I like her mindset though. I like who she is as, as like. Uh, she's not physically attractive. She's mentally attractive. Everybody yeah, ugly to somebody. What do you mean? What does that she, mean? She's like my mom. Like, she's my mom. I mean, he doesn't necessarily like the way she looked, but of course, maybe if she had a conversation with her, like, he likes the things that she does. Yeah. So what he was saying was, like, he feels like she's a smart woman. I mean, she's like an activist. Be my mom. ain't like I'm, I'm thinking about dating her. Like, <laughs> I would search for Michelle on one of my favorite adult sites. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I would. 
No, and then you find out that she don't wax and she got a wolf pussy. It's, wolf. <laughs> it's totally. I, I think it's totally okay for her not to be attractive, yeah. but still be powerful, be smart, yeah. be loyal to her husband. She just not. If if I had to choose between her and some other women, if I had to choose between Michelle and Nia Long, I'm picking Nia Long but if they standing there. Because what you value it doesn't make her not beautiful. But, that, but that's no, what no, I'm, I'm talking about. about from a I'm talking about eyesight. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah. But I'm saying, but it's, it's, I'm saying, what, what do you value as beauty? That's what I'm saying. So every, everybody's perception of what the person beauty is. So He's saying beauty is more than from, physical. So you guys are shallow. Yeah, they are. No, what? Thank you. Wait, how are we shallow? Mike, no, that's what we're talking about. Mike is my best friend, y'all. Like we're not talking about from a physical perspective. We said she's a beautiful person. Like, she looked like it at least. Man. I don't know her personally. You know her personally, so how is she? <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, hey, bro. Um, you have this uh, Haitian creation movement going yeah. on. What does that actually mean? And what made you start that? I uh, still ain't get my merchandise, but we ain't going to talk about that. Oh, uh, I, I didn't get the memo that you guys wanted it. But anyways, no, Haitian creation is just something, man. Honestly, I, I just built it from, uh, I got, I, basically, they called me that on a Monday night game. John Gruden, and you John ran Gruden with it. Went ahead, ran with it, got, a, got it trademarked and all that good stuff. But I think the biggest thing, though, with, with the whole Haitian creation thing is more so, you know, create your own destiny, man, and, and make it a difference in your world. So I, I think when when people hear Haitian creation, they, they assume they got to be Haitian and all this stuff. It's not necessarily that. It's more so, like I said, a movement of of just some of the different things. Like, it's empowerment. It's empowerment, exactly. It's more so one of those things, like, you for me, it, it me being the owner of a brand like that, it, it kind of embodies everything that I believe in. You know what I'm saying? From just being the different things that we do in the community to, to just being a black man in America and just trying to make different moves, making power moves, trying to make power moves. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, it, it's just an empowerment uh, movement, man. And, and, you know, you can get it from at the Beast Mode store. Uh, <laughs> please, go get, please, go get, please go get that at the Beast Mode store as far as for clothes. And it's good quality. And, you know, more stuff is coming out. Well, um, Cliff, tell them a little bit more about your actual trip to Haiti and what you did while you were there and um, how you actually came to bring the kids here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is my second year going to Haiti. I'm, I'm building an elementary school out there at the moment. And uh, this past year, uh, you know, I had this, this idea as we were leaving my football camp that I host out there as well, uh, where I was just sitting in the car. I'm like, man, how cool would it be to, you know, bring some kids from mm -hmm. Haiti uh, that was at my football camp that, you know, could actually see a football game and, and see, you know, uh, a different light, you know, seeing something different, com seeing different, uh, <laughs> different things. Because uh, I feel like, I, I feel like, I feel like experiences are everything, you know, with kids and, and, and being able to open their eyes up to different things. So uh, just coming up with the idea, we were fortunate enough to be able to bring a couple kids. Um, but we do a lot of different things in Haiti, from building schools to building homes, uh, football camp. I support this orphanage out there as well. Um, you know, just, again, all about just trying to make a difference. Mike, you have a black Santa. What's that about? Yeah, I mean, Santa's always been white. You know, it's kind of tired of the propaganda. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, I think, uh, I think with, with Cliff, uh, when he's talking about Haitian creation, for me, it's a... Um, I'm tied into it emotionally because I know as an athlete and him being of Haitian descent and really from Ghana, but dropped off first. <laughs> but, uh, dropped off first. But to be to be able to bring um, his culture, be able to um, empower young kids to love themselves, I think that's super important. And as an athlete, I think sometimes you forget that because you're so busy trying to fulfill 
um, your obligation to your contracts, but you forget to fulfill the obligation to your people. And I think mm. Cliff is he's doing that. He's balancing both, and I think that's a rare thing to do. So I enjoy watching him do this. And for me, it's the same thing is give people those opportunities. And I think bringing a kid from another situation for him to see a different different light, it could change his whole trajectory in life. And I think that's what he's doing. And I think I think you, you got to give him the hats off to that. And I think as athletes, as we do stuff like that, a lot of times we don't get credit for that stuff that we do. He don't get credit for what he really did. He brought people education, you know what I'm saying? That's so much different from, you know, it didn't happen in just a football camp. Okay. And um, since we're talking about Santa, but not really Santa, black Santa, um, and we are definitely in the holiday time, how do y'all feel about telling y'all kids about Santa? Or maybe Santa being real, or if you do tell them that Santa is real, when is a good age for you to break it to them that Santa's not I've real? Tr- I've been trying to break it to them from day one, but my wife refuses to let me uh, do that. She thinks it's going to deprive them of some kind of some uh, being kids what? or something. But, but I'm Santa. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like true story. Hey, we give it credit to somebody else, and I, I don't, I don't really believe that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but since my wife kind of holds the fort, I let her win that one. I, I think for Christmas too, for us, besides telling them Santa is to like give them more stuff. I think we they live a, a such a great life that sometimes I'm like more stuff. Like we give them more presents. So <laughs> I think for us, it's trying to how like how do we that balance? How we balance that like. And that's the hardest thing as a parent, like especially where you come from, where we come from, and we didn't have all the stuff that we have now, and trying to do that is just like uh, that's so hard. I don't even know how to continuously do it. I, I try. Uh, the, char- uh, the biggest thing for us uh, is making sure. Like you clip that, give kids presents. But the biggest thing for us is also like making sure my kids understand and see some of the things we're doing in the community, right? And, and making them appreciate things, because um, because it could they could easily just take stuff for granted. So there, my oldest son is always in the community with me. He's always you know at the backpack drives and all these different things that we do. And on top of that, he also has to give up a lot of toys uh before the holidays so he can get some more toys like he has to go in his toy room and pick out a bunch of toys and you got to get rid of some of these things you know what i mean and, and give them give them away to, to different people in need in order for you to get at least one present so how do you feel like at least bottom line you try to discipline them differently than you were disciplined I mean, they live a different life from us, from how of I grew course. up. They live, you know, my my son start pouting when he when he get hungry. I'm like, sometimes you just got to go without some food. Like, mommy ain't <laughs> cook yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that's your biggest issue, then you ain't got no issues. But, uh, you know, so so it's, it's really just trying to – my biggest thing, I think, is appreciation, man. Like, okay. appreciate what you got because everybody don't have it like this. Like, daddy didn't have it like that, you know what I mean, growing up. So – uh, I try to instill that, that. That's the big part of it for me is just making sure they appreciate everything that we give them and that they have. Cliff, you grew up a, a big time sneakerhead. Yeah. Well, till I, yeah, when I got some money. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what's your favorite shoe of all time? Uh, patent leather. Um, actually, the 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 Elevens, Jordan, all the Elevens actually, uh, but probably the. You right with Conklin, actually, now <laughs> I think about it. But, uh, yeah, all the, all the 11s. I'm a big fan of just the Jordan 11s. Hey, Mike, did you ever get your ZO2s from Lonzo? Not or yet. LeVar? Look, Lonzo, LeVar, LeMangelo, D'Angelo, whatever y'all last name is. <laughs> Send me my shoes, bro. There's going to be some issues. <laughs> so, so Charlie, you actually bought some? Yeah, yeah you got to you gotta support black business. I support black businesses. So that, so and I how much are them shoes? Fine. They got it. We don't worry about that. But they say oh, they're on right, back order. Right. 
They to, but they told they told they but they did they did give a disclaimer saying they weren't gonna be able to put, get send stuff out to like November or something. Well, we in December. You talking about November? Well, hey, maybe it's in the maybe it's at the house right now. Who knows? Nah, I, I see it. Dan Levitard <laughs> said he ain't got his yet. That was this week, Dan Levitard. Oh, see, it's a, quite a few people mad right now. So they took in about fifty thousand orders and then send none of them out. Somebody come see them about they five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> being being a parent in the sports world, like how do y'all feel? About Lonzo or Lavar, like what's y'all take on Lavar? I don't really, to be honest, I, think, I don't have an issue with it. I, I don't think, either. Though. Just him, it's like he's no different from Peyton Manning and, and um, Eli Manning, daddy, or the rest of these daddies that's I think, super involved in, in their parents and their kids' success. I think people get mad at him because when he he understood the game and what I think Mikey he was going to do to exploit his son and stuff, and he wanted to create his own business. So I don't really find the problem. I think people have with it is that he's so flamboyant with it. I think I think he's a genius personally. Like people talking about him. At the end of the day, no matter what kind of publicity it is, like everybody's talking about him. I think he he's just a genius with how how he marketed it. it you know, my wife is like, I, I hope you never do our kids like that. I'm like, I probably wouldn't, but I think he's, like I think he's making smart moves. And it's a black owned, like it's a black owned business. Instead of giving Nike all your money, or instead of I'm sponsored by Nike, by the way. But I mean, you, you know, it's, it's a black and white owned business because you know his wife. We ain't gonna talk about that. But well, you know. but I th- but I just think I just think. Own your own business, like own your own stuff. Yeah. Why not? You know what I'm saying? Like you got the platform, why not use it? So, but you know what? Honestly, uh, Mike really just made a good point there. It is just like with Eli and Peyton and everybody else's father. But the difference is right now is that social media is booming. You got to think, even though of course Eli and Peyton is now during the social media era when they were really coming up and when their father was really having to like back them up. Social media wasn't big, or it wasn't really, you know, it was nothing. So now that he's, social media is more around, he can be more vocal, and then, of course, you can be more vocal to more people at this point, because social media, I mean, it makes you be able to reach, you know, 100 million more people that you've never known. Now, Archie Manning told them people he wasn't playing for San Diego. The only person to do that is to no, get drafted in John Elway did it, too. Eli, yeah, John Elway did it, too. Well, to but he... Really? Well, well, you see, you see the difference in all three of those. Right. So um, the only, the only difference, in my opinion, is that, like Mike said, he just a little more flamboyant with it. He do the most sometimes. I appreciate. I think he's using the platform. He's doing a great job. He, he's marketing. He's, he's, yeah, he's marketing. I agree. Okay. So speaking of with Trump, so Uh-oh. how do y'all feel about? So we went from basketball to Trump. Okay. I mean, but no, we. I mean, because this is all we still talk about basketball and Trump. Okay. Cool. So with uh, Trump saying a legend that he got out LiAngelo Ball, how do y'all feel about that? Do y'all feel Who as though that he was? I mean, but do you think he should be? He should get like a thank you. Good answer, Cliff. Appreciate, appreciate it, but but at the same time, like nobody want to go jail in China. I think that's like, yeah. Right. But, but what I'm saying, but, but like it's one of those things. Like so, every good thing that you do, you you need people to like. You're the president of the United well, States. I guess you're like, not married. Yeah, but you don't I, think that was a little more major? Not saying that he should have got. You know. <laughs> that was an amazing point, Mike. <laughs> he just called you out, but I feel what you said. Go ahead, Rudy. Y'all horrible. Y'all horrible. I'm just it, saying, I, I don't. I, I don't know. Like I'm one of them people. I, like I, I feel like I feel like we do a lot of good work in the community, but nobody look like we're not looking for 
thank yous and all these. So if you got somebody, out but of you jail, ain't getting out of nobody out of jail in China. Like you, that's that was the rest of your life in China. But okay, even if he, it, but my thing is, why does it have to be a public thing? Like, why can't you? Okay, you know, this is how I helped you. Woo, and I oh, mean, I appreciate that prayers or whatever. But like, you ain't got to put me on blast. Like, no, but no, but with, <laughs> but with Trump, even if Levar Ball wrote him a handwritten thank you letter, he's he gonna post it on Instagram because sure. <laughs> that's what Donald Trump do. Trump is coming in and joining. Oh, and they say they don't want him. Yeah, they don't want him. So it's like you know he brings that. People feel like it's already a. Uh, uh a, a, a negative connotation of a circus. I mean, but you got to think it, it is because of some it of the platforms there. that he established. I mean, this not that he's not there. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? We live in this I don't world. know if he needed to thank you, though. But he helped. I bet he helped that big baller brand up by, <laughs> by tweeting all that stuff, though. Let's Marketing. <laughs> let's let's switch it up a little bit. Um, but this is answer for uh, this question is for both of y'all. If you can compare yourself to a rapper and an artist. I'm sorry, a rapper and a basketball player. Okay. Like, who would you compare yourself to? Uh, if I was to be compared, I say Wale. Oh yes, Claire. I, I say Wale. Uh, and my, this is my personal opinion because he ain't a big Wale fan. But uh, I'm from DC. Don't uh, be. I say Wale because, uh, like, I feel like lyrically, he's he's pretty he's pretty good, but he doesn't get enough credit. Right. Um, like he's kind of always overlooked in a sense, so I would compare myself to that. And then uh, basketball player, yeah, basketball player, Jamal Crawford. I'm nice with it, but like I'm coming off the bench, kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not coming off the bench though. But you get the point. <laughs> Mike, same question. Uh, Jay Z. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Real Unhumble yourself, brother. <laughs> nah, I like Jay Z because I feel like Jay Z has that great balance between. Um, being a family man, being a businessman, being active in his community, um, being pro- being political when it needs to be done. So I feel like as a, as a rapper, if I'm going to choose somebody who's well-rounded, I, I would choose Jay-Z because he's well-rounded in all those type of things. I swear, some rappers like 2 Chainz. I like 2 Chainz. He's a cool dude, but uh, his songs, but the Migos. Uh, you compare yourself you to the Migos? You no, think uh, he's saying no. You right. think it took too long for Jay to become political? No, Jay-Z's always been political. Has he's, he? He's always been behind the scenes. I mean, up up until this 444 album, no, Jay. You talking about rapping wise? He's, he's always talked about racism in his raps or different issues that he he seen himself to deal with the police, you know, whatever. This is the first time in Jay Z's album he's just been open to the his personal relationships. I think politically, like with all the different things that have happened, whether it's Obama or whoever it was, yeah, he was involved, he, he, he was involved in those different things, bringing water to America, Flint, Michigan. He was involved in all that stuff. So for for him, he doesn't have to do it. Him and LeBron James, uh, and LeBron James is the same exact way. He's had every single thing in the world, but he's always on that forefront of like pushing the agenda of like what it is to be an African American man in this generation. So, are you saying Jay Z and LeBron right. James are your two comparisons? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> do we? Let's get into the red room, VT. You want to do that? Oh, it's t- is that time? I think it'll be a good opportunity Ooh, to get in the red room. Sookie, sookie now. <laughs> hey, Rudy, take us to the red room, man. What you got for us this week? Well, <clears throat> and since I have all my guys surrounding me today, this is a great time to have this topic, especially my NFL guys today. I like your big hair, by the way. Oh, thank you. You know, make sure my wig cap ain't showing enough. Oh, it's <laughs> slim. I, oh, oh, oh. I can't see your squares. <laughs> oh. Hey, now let me stop playing with you. <laughs> you got squares showing? No. 
He irritating. Anywho. Anywho. So this is a great time to talk about that. We had this whole argument in my house about, and we're going to say this um nicely, having sex for flights. For flights? <laughs> okay. Well, so we, we married, so married. go ahead. Okay, but, but y'all see it. I, so, I ain't heard nothing. Oh. <laughs> And see now, break the question down. See now, see now. Right, see now, see now. They go act like they don't know what they be saying, what they don't know be going on. You got, you got name nobody. Your name is Bennett. All right, so go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so let's talk about it. Of course, the argument that we had here was that guys feel as though if I take a woman somewhere, and of course, in your in your in your pre-married life, if you, if oh Jesus. If you take a woman out of town, do you feel like she's obligated to have sex with you? Like and if she, oh, go ahead. I feel like we literally was talking about this in the locker room. Like even if, not even if, even with your wife or your relationship with somebody, you feel like if you take your wife something, you expect her sex. And I think if you do that, then you kind of letting down the standard of what a relationship is. Because so sometimes as a man, you Speak like. Speak for yourself. I feel like you expecting something now when we get to the house but nah. it should be like that though it should be like you're doing a nice act to be doing a nice act my, so that, my, i agree but you, you still i want, agree you still want some i have stood at the jury counter think about what position i'm gonna do <laughs> about, about this like yo this is nice we gonna la, la, la. not that i'm expecting that but it's like yo this this is worth this is gonna be at least this is gonna be a good one <laughs> Take care. She gonna take care of you. Regardless. That's you real. That's real. But this is thank you, Mike. If she have a stressful day, and she the right woman, she gonna take care of you. It, de- it depends on like the weekend you flying out. What? Like if I'm flying, y'all talking about single people stuff. See, we don't know much about that. If I'm flying, oh, he had a whole long day. Tied the hair up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? She, you walk in, she already got her hair in the uh, back. You know, she know you had a long day. You know, you have, it's gonna be a great night. See what well, ET? See, with see I'm married. On, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> she got the bonnet on. The night's it's a over wrap. with. It's a wrap. No, it's it a wrap. Don't mean nothing. The you walk in there with the bonnet and sweats whoa. on. It's a wrap. What you mean? I can get down with the bonnet and the sweats on. But you don't really want to. You ready to go to bed? Nah, no, your we, head, we, but, we, but you didn't have intentions on doing that. That ain't nothing. true. Cause maybe I got my sweats on with no drawers. You never know. Maybe I just got sweats on in the bonnet. Well, maybe right I just now, got the bonnet. Baby, you walk in there with the sweats on. I'm rolling over. Right. There's nothing to talk about here. Yeah. But what ET's what the question Rudy's asking is really pertaining to the single people and. Myself, Mr. Averill, and Bennett are, are married, so we really can't speak on this because I've been married my whole life. Yeah, uh, me too. You, y'all so irritating. Since we came out the womb, been married, <laughs> locked down. De- depending on the weekend, depending on where we're going, that and like it goes both ways too. Like if a, if a female is flying the man out, you don't, you don't think that she's trying to get out? She, she definitely trying to sit on it. I mean, you don't think. I mean, but listen, if a, if a female find a man now, you think that man ain't trying to drop off dick when he come? I mean, but. Let's be real. You think he ain't trying to drop it off? So, E.T., when they fly you out, you make sure you drop it off, right? I've never been flown out. <laughs> I've never been flown out, so. But, I'm, hey, whoever want to book that ticket, <laughs> I'm dropping. Oh. Oh, yeah. And she's what she was expecting, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to turn up. But anyway, yeah, next question, because us married folks, can't, we can't really relate. We can't really get to that. So I, I want to uh, 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 speak on, speak to Mike. What you think about Jimbo Fish, Texas and there? We just talking about that. I think it's overpaid. I think it's, 
If you're gonna pay a dude seventy five million, you might as well just let everybody in the state go to school for free. We can retire fifty thousand. Thank like, you. Oh my gosh, I could talk about this college crap all day. I, do. I don't, I don't, I don't support, I don't support the NCAA too uh, too much. Um, it's just a, like me going through the ranks and going through the whole NCAA process, and it was one of the fortunate ones to to be able to play in the league. Like. It's unfair. Like these coaches making millions and millions of dollars, but yet some of your players going out, they going home, they going back to their dorm rooms hungry. Like, so you think the players should be paid? I, I, or yes, yes. What I, does that look like? I, I now I, I don't it have. It looks like it looks like to me. It looks like a four hundred one k type of plan where yeah, a, a, a player gets a certain amount of money for a year and he puts away and they put it away for him for later. They can't get to forty or something like that where the money equals to a certain amount. And I think that's how you do it. But and what about them eating now? Because, of course, that's good for later, and that's good for thinking about the future, player's future. future. But as far as now, uh, what do you think that they should be no, doing about I, taking I, I care of the players? That's, I think that's the biggest problem within the black communities, too, because we all we think about now. now we yeah. think about the investment in the future. So teaching our young young men about investing and how what it means to have that, that way so they can have something allocated to the later part of our life, because we all think that we're not – we all think like, man, I'm never gonna see forty. The next thing you know, it's you forty. Forty-seven. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like teaching them how to invest and Cause, everything. Because you're gonna make bad decisions. Just that's just point blank period. So if, say they were supposed to give you twenty thousand dollars, ninety percent chance is you're gonna blow through that twenty thousand within that year, or maybe the the two years that you were in college, four years that you were in college. So I think a, a backup. I think a, having a plan like a four hundred one k or yeah, yeah. or, or, or IRA or something, yeah, whatever. Like it is. Interest, and then and then you get the exactly. So that twenty thousand within that twenty years becomes forty five thousand or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think that's the better approach is if they gave them some kind of saving plan and there's an incentive for staying in school. Mm-hmm. You know, oh okay, well. I don't know. You graduate, you get an extra hundred thousand that get to pu- get put away. You can't touch till you're forty or something like that. And then it gives you time to grow. So from the age of twenty-two to to forty, like you've lived your life and you learn, and then dang, you get this lump sum. Like now you can actually make moves with that. Unless at the age of twenty-two you get forty thousand, you are gonna blow straight through it because yeah. you, you just don't know what to do because with it. Because when people most time people look at athletes and they see an adult, but if you really look at it, they're really a child because they really haven't had time to develop. So giving them a, a certain amount of money at the beginning, you wonder why they blow through the money. You just gave a, a seven-year-old two million dollars. What you think S- they'll do? Gonna buy all games and video games. Exactly, that's true. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so they blowing it. They not pre- they not prepared. And so to get them to let our athletes start to develop, or our young kids in general, because our kids have to develop so sometimes too fast where they don't get to be a child, and sometimes they never get a chance to grow up. So you know, finding that thing is important. So y'all spoke about longevity and thinking past today. Yeah. CTE. Real serious business. But when you think about CTE and all the new information we have, your kids and football, how you feel? It's scary. I think as a man, like, you know, I recently talked to some of my friends. And when I say as a man, because as a man, has it's, it's, so it's developed so much from 19, 20 to 30 to 40 to 50, 60. And every 10 years, you're supposed to be something. And then this, this is the only generation where men are allowed to be vulnerable. And, and now men don't know what to do with that vulnerability because they, they get depressed. They don't know what to do. So CTE is such a real thing. And it's like you have to be scared every time you go out there. So for our kids, for me personally, um, I wouldn't let my kids play football. I just think it's too yeah. much. And that's what I was just about to it's add. too much injuries, and it's just it's just too much uncertainty to be – since football is such a small part of your life, and you want to be able to enjoy yourself. Like, I want to go to my daughter's weddings. I want to go to their college visits. I want to I wanna do all this stuff that I can't even think about that's going to be so great. Spend nights – because I already told my daughter, everything they do at my house, I'm going to do at their house. So I'm looking forward to that, jumping on their couch, messing with the <laughs> all that shit. So I'm looking forward to that. So <laughs> when you hear when you hear my man, what's my man from Pittsburgh? Shazier. No, no not Mike him. Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell. When you hear him, 
He he uneducated to me. He's uneducated about what the past players have dealt with. If you're not in tune to the to the past, like I've always said, this, I'm always in tune to the past, the present, and the future, and I believe that everything is connected. So if you're not connected to the past players, and you then you can't make the future better for the the players that are coming in the future. Because right now you're so like, oh, it's about about this old school. But look at some of the old school players. Look at how they're living. Look how they're feeling. Look how their bodies look. Not only that, though, look how the NFL is treating them as well. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, like so. Exactly. So the game will move on past you. Like, the game will. That's why I try to tell guys, like, you know, with these injuries and all this. Like, the game, regardless of how you, how whatever you feel, the game, they're going to have kickoff next September, whatever, uh, 11th, whatever the heck it might be. They're going to have kickoff at 1 o'clock. Either you're there or you're not. But they don't care. They're going to have it. You know what I'm saying? They're going to have 53 new players. So you better get yours and you better understand that it's a business at the end of the day. In, in my opinion, I don't think in 15 years they're kicking off at 1 o'clock because of I say 20. 20? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't. I just don't think that with the rate that these guys get in CTE. I, but to be honest with you, I think people don't care. People really don't care. Nah. People People say they don't want, oh, we love the vets, but they don't. they don't stop the war. So it's like at the end of the day, people people love the idea of what they love and the perception like they perceive the NFL as being something. They don't really care about how people what the injuries that are happening. So for them, they never in tune or touch it. They don't see old players. They don't see Steve Gleason. So it doesn't. They live their day on. They go get their coffee. They stop at Starbucks. You know, they have their lunch and, and Panera Bread. So nobody, nobody <laughs> so people don't really care about that. So I think the NFL is going to continue to live because it, it gives people a moment not to be in their reality. And so I think it, that's the truth. You know what? He has a valid point. I didn't. I, I haven't processed because I always thought I was like, you know, in a while they're gonna be playing tag and people not gonna care because people want to see the, the. That's what makes the NFL so great, right? People will run into each other and, and knocking people over. So, but but at the same time, like he's saying though, I, like people really don't care. Like it's always gonna be lower income people that are trying to find a way. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes sports is that way. So it's going to always be alive because it's always going to be lower-income people. You know what I'm saying? But with the rule changes and you don't have that aggressive, violent football it's anymore. It's violent out there, bro. No, it's, it's going to be violent. But the way they're pushing for it to not be violent with the penalties, the suspensions, do the fans even want to see that in, in yeah, 10 yeah, years? Fa- yes, the fans yeah, love that. that. You got $40 million extension. The football is booming. See, well, see, what the fans don't understand is that they're watching the game. But what the owners are doing, they're playing they play Monopoly. They're playing, they yes, buying they up monopolizing new properties, everything. building up whole cities around their property. So it's like, <laughs> then on top of it with their cities. They and build, not paying for it. They build a stadium, <laughs> then they have the Olympics, and then they have this concert, and they build the whole, it becomes, because Jerry an Jones. Economic, it's an economic thing. <laughs> Not only Bruh, Jerry Jones, they but playing Bob chess. Everybody Steve, else playing Steve, chess. Uh, Corvo- the dude that owns the Rams. It's like the Minnesota, like all these things, Atlanta, they just doing all this stuff and they building up around these areas and it's becoming, they owning all this land and then they the ones that's building the hotel. So it's, for it's example, bigger than that. For example, like there was, uh, we were talking about this the other day, like Atlanta has a, uh, a Chick-fil-A in their stadium. People are like, why would you put a Chick-fil-A in the stadium? It, like on Sundays, they close. The Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. But that tells you that every other day during the week, they open, so they they getting money every day in the stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like them them people that hey them billionaires they stupid. They ain't billionaires for no reason. You but the problem is that players can't, you know, they can't detach from the character. They're so stuck in character that they can't detach from uh, what uh, they're actually playing a player. And it's like, yeah, you a player, but the injuries that a person has is reality. So it's, it's a like, real thing. Yeah, it's like so you gotta detach from a, this character. Like yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna soldier I'm out there. I'm a, nah, it's like. Dude, are you okay, man? My bad. I didn't really try to do that. <laughs> Straight you know what I'm saying? Up. Like, it's because it's like, to me, it's but like, you know, that I think that takes time, though. I think t- it takes time, right? Because we talk about this, too. Is like. But he 10 years old, Mitchell. Yeah, well, he, he's slow. Um, 
Yeah, everybody develops at their own pace. <laughs> but I, th- I think it takes time because, like, when I first got in the league, we're like, oh, man, I'm trying to body this player. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying. And when you look at the stat book, a tackle is a dog on tackle. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is, like, uh, when you hit a quarterback, no matter how hard you hit him, it's just a sack. You know what I'm saying? So, for me to have more sacks, how about me just not hit him as hard so I can keep hitting him? You know what I'm saying? Instead of trying to bury him and, and crack face. Like, I think I think over time it just it just makes sense. Like I, I can't be out here smacking. I'm 32 years old. Like. Yeah. Speaking speaking of sacks, yeah, we me and you beefing. I forgot about that. What happened? What's up? Yeah, I'm, I'm a cowboy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I did y'all a favor from the looks of it. That, that, huh? You know, cowboy, you from Dallas? No, I'm not. I'm a third generation Dallas cowboy fan. My dad, my granddaddy was a cowboy. Third, Horses and all. Irritating. See, they go so pissing you, people oh, off. He's serious so too. Third he serious generation sharecropper. <laughs> no, nah, come on, Mike. <laughs> exactly. Why would he call me out like that? <laughs> so, people, if you like what we're talking about, please feel free to join in in the conversation on all our social medias. Rudy, how can the people get a hold of it? You can contact us at The Thread Live. That's at T H E T H R E A D Live. We live, baby. Yeah, yeah. baby. And that's going to be on Facebook, Instagram, Black People Meet. Christian, Christian Mingle. Mingle. Definitely Christian Mingle. That's a real site, Black People Meet? Yeah. yeah. Find us on there, The Thread Live. <laughs> <laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, and definitely leave your uh, comments in iTunes. Let's let's switch it up a little bit. Um, Sexual harassment is real oh big. God. Oh, man, we were just talking about Like, it's real big <laughs> out there. And something that's caught my attention is the, the Me Too movement. And, and, and you know, it's Mike basically... I have a whole bunch for y'all. Go ahead. For you Go ahead. Go so, ahead. So, um... With the Me Too movement, for the people that don't know, it's basically, you know, um, people who are sexually harassed. Oh, that happened to Me Too. Yeah. Okay. It happened to Me Too, yeah. so it's a whole hashtag. And I had a conversation with somebody. I'm like, man, like, I, I guess I'm, I'm speaking from the outside in. Speaking as a man, go ahead. Speaking as a man mm. from the outside, from the, this from the outside, three da- this is this is a man with three. Yeah, this is a man with three daughters. Vision. I think as a man, we have a vision of what the world looks like, but we never put ourselves in the shoes of a woman. Most definitely. So but your reality is, is, is so for me, your perspective is your reality, though. So for me, I like I was telling Cliff today. Like I asked my wife, I said, "Have you ever had a person do something to you like that?" And she told me, and she said, "Yeah." For me, it was like. Wow, like, you so think women she want deal with this on a daily basis. If this can happen to my wife, then it can happen to as many women. As, and as a man, we need to be able to support women when they go through stuff like that. Like, Most but I don't know. I just feel like as men right now, we're so busy trying to protect the what a man is. Like, oh, man, like, there's no, it, she did it. She did it. But sometimes a man didn't do it. You know, even though we these men that are coming out, they're well-respected, doesn't mean that they don't have, don't, doesn't mean they have a past and they don't have a flaws. Because all we see is what they project to us. We don't, we don't know who they really are. But sexual harassment is a, a is a thing that's been going on for years, and yeah. we've watched it and saw it and ignored it, or or thought it was okay because just y'all not from the Social south, norms. right? So like Daytona Spring Break, mm. <laughs> these guys like and Mike may not know, but in Daytona and Spring Break, there's a four block street yeah. that they go to the beach for Spring Break, and these guys would literally stand on the corner, wait for a girl to buy, go by, and grab everything she owned. So that's still that's sexual harassment. But but that definitely sexual harassment. But it went on for twenty years. As a woman, why would you even go to Daytona Spring Break? I mean, because they because a, a person goes into a space. That's like saying, you know, why would a black no, no, person no, no, go? No. Why, why do you would, return? No, no, right. So why would you keep you going? Know. First time you don't know. Second time, what happens? So that's like that's just like this is like saying 
why does a black person go to a certain restaurant or something like that? He know he's not going to get service or they go be treated a certain way. You, you, you feel yourself as a human being and you feel that when you walk in that space that you're going to be free. You don't feel like every time you walk in a space that you're going to get violated. They go back thinking that maybe these people change. But it's, there's, in that case, I feel like guys have not changed. It's our job as men to respect women. I feel like this whole sexual harassment thing is a, it's, a, it's a society thing. It ain't just one issue in the NFL. It's the way women are perceived. Women are perceived as being vulnerable and, and as, as prey. And so because they're seen as that, they don't have any value to us as far as sex, and that's it. And they go in the kitchen and make food. But women don't really have a real value in America when it comes to that. But if you look at every single you know, revolution, women were on the front line. Hallelujah. It was Angela Davis. It was Fannie Lou. It's, it's all these people. You know, Harriet Tubman, she was the one who was going back and forth by herself. And she was the one who was doing that. Nobody else was doing She was running into the South, getting other people, bringing them free. That was a woman doing that. So for, you know, women have always played pivotal place in, in, hist- in history and change. And I think right now it's, f- it's the time where women are starting to feel their voice again. And it's okay for women to feel, no matter if it happened five years ago, because if it happened to my daughter five years ago and I'm just finding about it, I'm still going to have the same pain like it just happened yesterday. So Agreed. for me, a father of being have some daughters. I, I'm I'm worried about what kind of world my daughter's gonna be living in. Gotta come see you. Well, <laughs> as a, and, and let's talk about this. So, as a father, of course, that's because there are certain things that you can never teach your daughter. But as a father, how do you open up that space to have that conversation of if someone is doing this to you, you need to come to me. I think it's that relationship. I think when you have to be able to be your daughter's friend, mm-hmm. so they can be able to trust you. And I think. When you show your daughters the vulnerability of who you are as a person, they can be able to trust you and they know that you're not going to push judgment on them. Because if I go home and be like, tell my wife, and she hear me saying that all oh, these women are lying, then my daughter's going to have a perspective like my dad's not going to believe me. But if I have an open conversation and not, not to be biased and be like, well, you know, maybe that could have happened, then my daughters would be able to talk to me. So being able to have that relationship between my wife and being able to have that relationship with them, I think is what's going to propel them to be able to be open up to me. And I think... You know, as a father of daughters, I've been in the world of football. So for me, it's always been about being tough. It's always been about this and, you know, don't do this and don't do that. And now it's this whole other side of me that has to open up. And, and so for having daughters, they've done that for me. And I think uh, now I'm able to have those conversations. And so it's going to be pretty interesting to even be having these conversations. Um, there was recently a video that surfaced of uh, Steph Curry. Um, this parent made a whole slideshow brought uh, her her son to a basketball game. Yeah. Oh yeah, he didn't speak to him. And yeah. every he got a player, he got a picture with all these other people, but all he was there was to see Steph. And the, in the video it looks like Steph looked right past him. <laughs> so, and you know, and I I know y'all's take, but I want you, I want the people to know y'all's take as an athlete. Man. Y'all's take about signing autographs. I, I say don't pass judgment one, but for two, like, dog, we human beings, right? There's like I feel like people fail to realize that athletes, professional athletes, are human beings. There's times where we really just don't feel like talking to people. Like just like you have a bad day, we have bad days. Or you already signed two hundred autographs and right then, before that. And then we we uh, and I've had this conversation with you before, where like now like I've signed two hundred autographs, and then like twenty kids pop up, and I'm like, you know, I'm done. Like I, I'm ready to go, or whatever. 
Now, to those 20 kids, I'm probably the biggest jerk ever. You know what I'm saying? For the rest of their life, because they probably never see me again. But the other 200 kids, they happy. So it's like one of those things, like, right, they tell you all the time, like, you can't make everybody happy. And that's one of them cases. And, and like, I see the, I seen the video, and I'm, I'm looking like, maybe, did they just win? Did they just lose? Like, there's so many different things that could be going on. Maybe he's looking for somebody, like, but it looks like he's ignoring his child. And, and that's unfortunate that the kid couldn't get the autograph, but at the same time, like, Steph Curry's a human being. Steph like, Curry don't owe nobody nothing. He don't, yeah. At the end of the day, he don't owe nobody you nothing. Don't it, I don't own it, a, a fan of anything. If I choose to be there at that moment, then I could be there at that moment. But there's times where, like Cliff said, you need to be able to be checked out. And it's like, you're not always on job. People feel like when you're an athlete or you're a celebrity, like you always on call. Like, people don't, they don't even actually take a picture. Like, hey, hey, stop right there. It's like, like, look, dude, did you ask me in my personal space? So back up, you know what I mean? But <laughs> at the same time, I don't feel bad for it. I feel like Steph Curry did what he felt like he needed to do. And then, sorry that that, that moment didn't mean what it meant to you. It meant something yeah. different to Steph Curry. He doesn't know what every single moment means to every single fan. Yeah, I agree 1,000%. Like, it, it happens all the time, and it is what it is at that point. I'll tell you one time, though, I'd be, I'd be rude if I'm with my kids and you just come up on no, me. No, but that's rude yeah. for her to even try to paint that picture of Steph Curry. That's just about her character. Yeah. Like, all the stuff that Steph Curry's done is like, why is she trying to you know, do that because she did get her way? Like, come on. like. And, and that's what I immediately thought when I saw how viral it went. I'm like, we don't know what Steph was going through, but, but you're going to paint this picture. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't owe you anything. This is true, but you know but like, you know, he doesn't the, have to sign an autograph. Yeah, like he's not. It's not a paid appearance. It's not like I don't or like he doesn't owe you anything. So I wouldn't do it though. I'm different from Steph Curry. Though. I never do. Yeah, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I stay back. But, but, Thirty but, minutes. So you saying I, yeah. you saying he's on? Maybe even if he did see him, like again, you just don't know what he's going through. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's wrong for that. Like it is what it is. At that point, let's um. But you should tell. So for the before we go on, so so what do you feel about the women's march and the women's equality and all that kind of stuff? Uh-oh. Do you feel like do you feel like it's equivalent to Black Lives Matter? Do you feel like it's all a part of that, or do you feel like they're they're screaming and they shouldn't be screaming? You know? It's uh, you want to go first? Oh, uh, we know we know how Rudy feels. No, I mean because I feel as though you can say like the women's suffrage march and all of these things that happened before are part of Black Lives Matter. Because ultimately, that's what it was about. It was about even, and, but the women's suffrage march was a lot bigger. It was about women in general. But with but all of these movements, it was about, you know, black people ultimately coming together, standing up together. But what I say is just a part of that, no. These are movements that have led up until this point. Now, this is the time where we actually make the change. I mean, even though we've made little changes by little, but now this is how we really actually focus on our people. Whether that be you are a black person, but you are Haitian, or you are a black person, but you are, you know, Guyanese, or whether you're a black person, you are just African-American. It's time for black people as a whole to unify and actually, you know what I'm saying, just pretty much show people more of what our culture is about. Because in the past, just like we've said, what? we've let other people dehumanize our culture, make our culture seem like it's limited to this. Then I'm saying, just like and this, and how little boys it. feel as though I can only go play football. But you know I can you only go be a rapper. I agree, I agree But the problem you. is that we don't even know who we are. Yeah, that's and, and I think that's important. That is very important. Because we but haven't tapped into our history. We don't even, you know, we, our history is so, it's so vast and we get just a small piece of it. We get just the 200 years out of the whole whatever how long the earth's been around and and we don't get the rest of it that's, that's partly our fault yeah for it's sure our fault too. because i i feel like he's saying history plays a big part of just being proud of who you are and we don't like as as well i know who i am i don't know what y'all but but that's how i feel too <laughs> but but what i'm saying is like the 
and and I got this feeling when I went back to Haiti a couple years ago where I'm like, man, and I started learning history about Haiti. Like, it gave me a sense of pride. It gave me a sense of knowing who I was. And then I took it a step further and finding out, like, I come from Ghana. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, and then I started researching what the people uh, from that area were doing and, and, like, how smart, you know, uh, black people are and all these different things that we've invented and all these different things. Like, that's a sense of empowerment, and we don't get that, unlike <laughs> other cultures. You but know you know and what? That's I, partly our fault for not doing the research, too. I think it's different being black in America, being Haitian and being African-American, if that makes sense. So, Please like, somebody, that. so somebody like myself. Make that mean, make yeah, that yeah, make yeah, sense. Yeah, I am, I am. Please okay. Elaborate. Because somebody like myself, <laughs> like, you know that your family comes directly from Haiti. You know, they're, they're actually Haitian. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas my family, but but that's but that but that but that but that that's the thing too. I was about to say the thing with Haitians though. The only the only, the only difference between us is one got dropped off before the other. That's it. No, but but this is what I'm saying. With that being said, of course, when it comes to learning about your culture, because your culture would technically be different from a basic Afri African-American culture, more yeah. so like mine. So you have more to look into about your culture. When it comes to just African-American culture, when they talk about it in the United States, what do they, they, they just equivocated to, oh, yeah, well, you know, they were slaves and, like, now they're here. We so that. that's kind of no, what it is. We do that too, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, but, but that's the, again, the only difference between black African Americans and Haitians is one got dropped off before the other. Because Haitians were slaves in Haiti, obviously. Yeah, no, of course. And, and, and we kind of started the whole revolution thing of getting free or whatever, right? But they don't tell you anything prior to getting to Haiti. Like, they, they tell us our, our what we've been able to do in a sense, but, well, they try to hide it, but they tell you what we kind of did in a sense, but I went even deeper into before Haiti. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same concept with here in the States. It's like if we just went a little deeper, and, and things are starting to come out now where you can see where you come from. Right, and the genealogy. I, and I, and I well, think once you get that, I think you'll get a sense of pride. Right. You'll understand like just what black people have done in America in yeah. general will give you a sense of pride of being who you are instead of no. downplaying who the next person I, is. Also, too, also too I, I believe that when we talk why I ask that question, because I feel like every movement is supported by the other movement, what she said. So that believer of intersectionality, and that's the believer of you follow Angela Davis or freedom is a constant struggle. If you young people can read that, that'd be nice. But it's that idea of, you know, oppression of all people that's oppressed collect coming together to beat oppression. Because what people think about oppression, they think it is is a, is one thing, but it's so it's a world thing. Colonialism is a thing that happened around the whole world. So mm -hmm. So for us to really be oppression, you have to be able to connect with women. It's it's, it's important that men support women for their freedom. It's important that freedom, you know, women support uh, men on their freedom and different issues. It's important that white people support black people on their issues of freedom. Just like it's important for us to co connect with people in South Africa during the apartheid. It's like people in Palestine, the people in Mexico. It's all about the connection between all people to be able to change the system because it is yes. a system. It's very systematic. Now, and I'm backtracking a little bit, but for years, I would hear people say, you never know where you're going unless you know where you've been. Mm -hmm. True statement. I, I don't past, agree with it. I don't agree with it. The past, the present, and, and the, the future. future. All going the on. reason why I don't agree with it is because as a black man, to know where I'm going is a mindset. I'm, I'm going there. I know what it looked like. I know that vision. Do you, though? Do, I know what. I'm talking about me. Do you? My name's Turk. I know where I want to go and what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Do I really have to know what my great 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 granddaddy did? You, I, you, 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 I, I guess technically you don't. Technically you don't. But I think honestly, again, a sense, once you like, if you know 
what the people before you have done and and you won't make the same mistakes. And you won't, exactly you won't make the same mistakes. I can go for that. And on top of that, it's like, empowering. It's, it's empowering, bro. Because like, bro, to know what black people have done is just the, like because they don't tell us about all this stuff, right? From inventing clocks to stoplights, stoplights. I teach black history at the school, so, so to learn and know what you bring to the table. Like, I think yeah, especially for, you know, like, your people. No, this is your family, exactly. what your what family have done. There's a sense of pride in it. What I'm saying is you get a sense of pride in you surviving. And it also tells you what to you know, can be. To know the person who came before you. Like, somebody asked me the other day, they said, Michael, who's your biggest African-American history historian? Or who, who's the person that you look up to? They said, is it Martin Luther King or Marcus Garvey or this person? I said, no, it's the people that I don't know that existed. It's the people that got mm. me to this point. Because to be living in a time to know you came on the ship, you survived that. To be known that you've been beaten and broken and you mm-hmm. survived that. To have your religion, your culture taken, you survived that. To live through Jim Crow, you survived that. It, sh- it tells you how every strong you are. Like you really are. Oppression, that's, that gives me a sense of, that gives me so much power to know that I'm a survivor and to know mm-hmm. that I come from something bigger than just now. And I think the past is so important because the past is the connection to the people. And DNA is real. DNA is something real. You, your DNA, your DNA makeup is connected to Two thousand years or three thirty thousand years to so your thought process and who you are has already lived before because the person that was you or you are or who or who you are is still in you. So the lot of things that you gonna do and the goals that you reach, they've already been instilled in you before. Like recently, I had the DNA done for my DNA for African ancestry. Shut up, Gina. You know you're my girl, Gina Page. <laughs> African ancestry. Shout com. out to Gina. Shout out to Gina. She from DC. Um, okay. Uh, but you know, she did. She went back into my history or whatever, and the the core of everything that I was was a part of my culture in Senegal already. So for me, being from Senegal and Sierra Leone, being a Mandinka and Mende people, everything that I believe in as far as like raising the children or giving back to the community, being a historian or being a warrior, that was already in me. So it's like I'm already living. I'm already living what I'm supposed to be living. I'm already on the right path. I'm connected to who they were already because that's who I am. But it, but but you already knew that. I didn't that, know that. I didn't no, know but, that. but this is stuff you were already doing. I didn't, but, I didn't, but I'm saying, but the it, it confirms it confirms on why you are who you are. Right. But so but, but so I, if you had if you had went and did that same ancestry test and it said you were supposed to be a shipman, you was gonna stop and start no, buying no, boats. No, it's about, <laughs> no, it's about, it's That's what I'm saying. But the culture was raise the kids and do all the philanthropy and the things that you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. It confirmed that. That's who you are. That's what you've always been. Different because that was who I was already. But that, what I'm saying is, if you had took that same test and it said you were a, a shipman, were you going to stop and just go start no, buying boats? I don't think boats? it was done. I think it was. I think it was what it was supposed to do. Because this is this is how God works. I had, I got a school in Africa, right? And I could have chose anywhere in Africa. My girl Miriam, she she's one of the most wonderful people in the world. She used to be. I'm shouting everybody out. Come on, bro. A slave and <laughs> communities around the world, but. I could have chose anywhere in Africa, anywhere. You know a country I chose before I even knew I was from Senegal? Senegal. That's exactly what I'm saying. But so it's all connected. I'm though, saying, I'm it's saying all that connected. What you're saying is that what I'm saying is that it was already happening. What me picking Senegal, me being from Senegal was already that was already on the table. You know what I'm saying? That was who I was already. I was naturally connected to that. So what I'm saying is that even though you said I was supposed to be a shipmaker, it wouldn't have been possible because I was already connected to that place and, and these this life. Well, so well, it's like well also too though, I think again, I think it's a sense of empowerment too, bro. It like everybody else knows their history. Everybody else knows their culture. Everybody else Everybody has, wants to be Haitian. Everybody <laughs> Everybody has their culture. But what I'm saying is like and when I say everybody else, I'm talking about Europeans, white people, right? Everybody like they know their I didn't background. Say that. 
well, they, <laughs> they know that, right? So the difference is like, and I think that's that's part of our issue as a community, black people, that is, is if we just did some research and understood again, I keep going back to this, is just understanding like what we bring to the table. Like we would understand that. Now, a lot of stuff in America doesn't move without black people. But yet we don't even understand that. Nothing moves in America without black exactly. people. Exactly. But we don't understand that. We think it's the other way around. See what I'm saying? So it's like, so that that's part of knowing your history. That's part of knowing who you are. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's if so if true. you if you knew that stuff, like a lot of this stuff, like a lot of stuff that black people go through, we wouldn't go through yeah, that. Yeah, right? this is so true. Like a person is born free but taught to be a slave, you know. So a man can't give you freedom because you're already born free. And you te- you what the system does to you, you teach yourself to be that way. You teach yourself to be the system, you, the you, system you, the, does that to the you. The system teaches you to be that way, or instead of you already having what's instilled you. If more, if more people know what they mean to the world, they'll have a better living. If everybody knew that that movie, uh, what's the movie with the, with the slaves? The ladies, Hidden Figures. If every oh, young, yeah, yeah. if every young, if you, every young black kid grew up knowing that they was part of sending people to space, more black people would have been astronauts and more people would have been just And like it's done systematically, <laughs> too. It's mm-hmm. done for you not to know because they understand the power of knowing your history, I think. Y'all, y'all hit on something that I just had a conversation with one of my partners about. How y'all feel about the alt-right? I mean... And, and I'm going I'm to I'm say that. Based on the last five the minutes of this conversation, the, alt, the alternative right where the white supremacy guys say they should be, it should be white and it should be black. They 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 white. they deserve all the power and they should be able to Why, keep their no, people feel, together. They like they right. They they believe in white supremacy. Now here's here's my they, take. They they want it to be like legal separate. Like they want legal the separation. So yeah, separation again? Right. Yeah. So legal so my separation. thing and, and we I don't, No, yeah, listen. I, I, I agree with them. And I'm going to tell you why. We just said it in the last 5 minutes. I can see that. Nothing moves that. without us. So you want to separate? Bye. But the thing Go is, ahead. Let's yeah, separate and let us do us. But you know what? I feel like Separate, they're gonna take the banks and they're gonna take all everything we, economics too. So, good but, luck with but, that. But, but, I mean, but that's, that's why we need true. more black no. banks and things like that. But somebody made a good point. All your they money said in the bank, that integration was the worst all thing that ever happened bank? to black people. No, right. So, when when they, when we separate, you take your money, you take your money, Jay take his money, Puff take his they, money. They, if, we got our own banks now. Let's again, make these banks again. They playing chess, we playing checkers a lot of times. I, but I if that was the case, though, if that was the case, what he's saying, if that was the case, okay, they separate us and they allowed us to take our money with us, right. They know they, they know we they win. Messed up. They know they messed up. They know they messed up. Every white person ain't bad, so I don't feel like we no. I, and, and I'm not saying that they are. If we do that, then we all we almost agreeing to we almost falling into the the, the same case. Same. We're being just as radical as them. We're being radical at that point. We're being irrational. Um, people need each other to support. There's something that we're good at. Something that they're good at. And we need to be able to collaborate. I think collaboration is the growth of the world. I think we have to. We can't think like so like alt right and alt left and middle this. I just think it's the. It's just the connection of people. I think people need people, and that's just what it is. So, Sahai got the song New Africa. From You familiar? Yeah. He, he got a song called New Africa on his new album where he basically say what I just said. Let's take all of us and go to Africa and try this ourselves. But see, we don't even have a good pit. Like, that, we talk about this all the time, too. It's like, I, I would be down for something like that, personally. I would be down for it because I've done my research on Africa, right? Right. Most people not even willing to go to Africa. I'm gone. And, give, me and a, give me a Systematically, flight. we look at Africa as a third world country. Nobody wants to go there, this, that, and the third. And that's, do, that's done on purpose. But yet, all the Europeans, all these other cultures is moving to Africa. So if it's such a terrible place, me why too. are they going? You know what I'm saying? So for us, I think we got to do our research. Like It's like we're growing up. Oh, I want to go to Paris. I want to go to you know. I want to go to France. I want to do all these things, but it's never. Oh, I want to go to Africa, or if it is Africa, South Africa, where they've Europeanized it or something like that. So I would be down for something like that, but I most black people probably aren't because propaganda's played a big part in their mindset of what Africa is. 
I, I think a lot of times black, black people, we love each other until we have to do business with each other. We love each other until we have to be nice to each other. We love each That's other. That's all systematic, too. I'm though. just saying we love each other until we have to respect our women. We love we love, uh, we love, the ideal of it, but are we willing to do the work? And I think that's the next stage. It ain't about separating. It's about reconnecting to the things that's important. And being I think we need to reconnect with each other, We though. need to reconnect with the elders. We need to reconnect. With, we're trying to do that, you know, Stephen, Stephen Hill and the rest of them at BET. They trying to do it. There's so many people who are trying Is to BT do it. Is BET even owned by black people? Yeah, I mean, they got, I mean, they course, I mean, they course they part of it is owned by Viacom, uh, but at the same time, the the reason why they made it is that reason is to have that connection and get people a chance to see themselves centric and all those channels. I think that connection, but it's us loving ourselves once again. And I think that's a, that's a long journey because we've been taught not to love ourselves again. Not to love ourselves. And I think another thing is we, we as a culture have to stop making excuses as like far calling as Michelle Obama ugly. That's the first thing. I didn't, nobody called her <laughs> ugly. Nobody, nobody, nobody said worried. she was ugly. <laughs> nobody said we she can was rewind ugly. this. We recorded the whole thing. That. They say that. No, oh, no one said she was that. ugly. Don't do that. Don't do that. We did not say she was ugly. We just said she wasn't like, she wasn't attractive as y'all making her to be. Well, why to you guys. To you well, guys. I'm saying, but why would you get on the radio and say that? That somebody's going to look at our, look at, well, somebody's going to listen to it and, and, and tear her down. You can why would they tear her down? Because people do that all the time. <laughs> but I can't be entitled to my opinion. But she was the most mocked up. Hey, brothers, brothers, so please. I'm saying, I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is the, the reason why I would never, ever uh, talk about her in a, a negative light. There's We're, nothing I'm negative just, about just, what we I'm said. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying because she was the most mocked up uh, uh, First lady ever because the way she, she looked, people no, because she like was black, bro. You know what I'm saying? But, but not because of how she looked, because she exactly was black. Was. It could have been Beyonce in the office, they would have mocked her up, bro. Because she was a black lady, and they made her monkey, they made all these different things about her, and that people made her feel like she wasn't beautiful. Bro. I think I, I have to agree that Michelle Obama is a beautiful human being, she speaks well. She cares herself well. She does all the other stuff well. But in my eyes, my from my a physical standpoint, right, she's, she's not my type of. Yeah, she don't look. Better. That's, that's what I said at the beginning. Of your perception. That's what I. I agree, and I agree. Everybody agree with you. We agree with. No, I said that, uh, I, Mike. We have we all back, of this can we get back on recorded. Point? Can we get back up to the to, 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 to the topic? Y'all make it, y'all. Let's. It's, we're going to wrap it up here shortly, but you know we can't finish without talking about Cap. Both of you are are, are staples and. The movement. Um, how do y'all deal with those that totally disagree with you or saying that y'all just need to be ball players? And let me go first because Mike long winded. <laughs> like, because again, like I said, that y'all are, are definitely a big parts of that movement. Um, Mike, you still well, I don't know if you could do it now, but you know, you were you were sitting down during national anthem. Can why, why can't we do it? We still doing because, it. I mean, you know, because of negotiation or whatever. No, 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 no. That had nothing to do with us. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me speak a little bit on that. So with the whole cap situation, right, it's unfortunate that the man ain't got a job because of his beliefs. But anytime is that, that whole thing, things that make white people uncomfortable, right, is anytime you make white people uncomfortable, they like, especially in a situation like that, because it's a topic that nobody wants to talk about. It's a topic that, oh, it exists, but does it really exist type of thing uh, for, for a lot of white folks. And to, the objective of why I got behind the whole movement is because I wanted the conversation to get uh, had. I want the dialogue to be had. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want white people to actually question themselves like, hey, uh, is, really there, is there that? a difference in the two? Like, why is my why why are our experiences with police officers different? Like when I get pulled over, I'm scared. When a white person gets pulled over, they might cuss them out and make it home. You know what I'm saying? Like so, so just to have the dialogue, I think is huge in my opinion. And then hopefully, as you continue to have the dialogue, as you continue to 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 change people's minds and uh and and how they how they perceive things, 
those same people might make the difference in changing laws and changing rules and different things like that. So that's mm-hmm. that's one of the main reasons why I got behind it. Hold on, Mike, before you say something, you know what this just made me think about? Yeah. Um, it was a video, older video that actually came out, um, a professor, and she taught at a college, and she taught a class about social change. And what she asked her class was, how many people feel as though black people are being mistreated in America? And of course, a class full of white people, none of them said anything. And then when she asked, well, how many of you would switch places with a black person? Mm. And none of them said anything. And what her question was to them was, well, if you don't feel like they're being mistreated, why are you, exactly, Mm -hmm. why are you not willing to switch places with them? Because you understand they're being mistreated. And even though you don't want to say anything and you realize that it's not you, that's why you don't say anything because you realize it's not you, it's not your people. So I can just smoothly go on about what I'm doing. But here, and I'm not giving them an excuse, but just human nature, right, is you only concern yourself with you what, your what, what really affects you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really know what the next person is going through unless unless they're your friend or whatever the case may be. So you don't live the life we live. So it. But I would say on a major platform like that, even though like individually you might not know what your friend goes through, but on a major platform like that, you know what African Americans are going through as a whole right now. Or like you they? know that. They like don't. If you, they they like, don't. Like okay. That's two. That's that's the thing though. That's the thing I was saying. But why did so you think they they don't want to see it because it's obvious. They don't there. understand it. They don't understand it. But you don't have to understand it to know that it's going on. They don't care to understand it. I think I'm I'm gonna give you an example. Like like Cliff said, when they get pulled over by a cop. Oh, hi, sir, how you doing? Da, da, da. That situation goes very smoothly. So in their head, when a cop shoots a black man, it's like, well, what did he do wrong? He had mm-hmm. to do something. Because whenever I get approached, justify it. It, and whenever I get approached, he's just as nice as ever. That's because you, you don't even get that. That's back not but to put right. another person in the shoes, just like said to harassment. But, but, <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, it's not even more so, and again, all cops aren't bad and all these different things, but it's, it's the interaction. Why is my interaction, why, why is my interaction different from, you know, like, when I get pulled over, why am I nervous? And when you get pulled over, why is that not the same feeling you get? Or vice versa, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't, like, I'm in fear when I get pulled over. It shouldn't be that. With it, but when you get pulled over, you're like, you know you're going home. I'm in fear I might not go home, you know what I'm saying? Because of all the different stories going on. That shouldn't be the case if we're all equal. But I think, too, like, you know, we know Cap pretty well. We talk to him all the time. And, and his Cap, what up, bro? His situation is one of those situations where I think as a as – other players, we didn't, we weren't willing to put ourselves in that vulnerable situation that he was in, and I think we missed that opportunity to support him on the level that I thought that we should have supported him. I always tell him that I apologize for the lack of uh, communication and the lack of, you know, fellowship. I think we talk about this brotherhood, but when the brotherhood comes to a choice between money and and morality, it's always going to lean towards money. And for him, it wasn't that case. And I think, you know white America just didn't, they felt like that wasn't a place to hear them. But they don't realize that everywhere we go, regardless of, you know, we're still a black man. I'm living in a world as a black man. And do I feel safe in every situation I go in as a black man? Is no. Whether you agree with that or not, it's the history. It's do black lives matter. Do this. That's the just, just the history of everything has shown us that we have been dehumanized. And for him to bring that up, I don't understand why people couldn't connect with that. But I feel like people try to ostracize him and take him out of the situation. But all they do is catapult his success. And all they do is make him even a bigger figure by um, by trying to down talk and saying it didn't happen. All he did was give him a bigger platform to do even more. So in the long run, it actually worked against him. So he might not have a job in the NFL, but I mean, at this moment, he's one of the biggest political figures in the United mm-hmm. States right now. So 
you know, he, what he's doing and what he's trying to do for young people is super important. I think as an athlete, we forget that we are we think that we're obligated to the fans. You know, when I see a fan in Seattle, I see a fan. But when I go home and I'm in the hood, I'm working, I see hope. And that's two different things. That's you, you bring in two different parts of life to the people. And I think as an athlete, we can't forget that. And I think a lot of us forgot where we came from. We think we're a different blood. Nah, we still that nigga. We still nigga. <laughs> like OJ said, still nigga. Like, whether you, get, you get a shoe deal, still nigga. That's you still get, how they look at you. You get $20 million, you. still I nigga. You get, you get a certain, you got a certain neighborhood, we still nigga. So we got to realize that people still see us in that, that light. Yeah, and it, like, in a, we get this question all the time, like in the media, like, oh, well, why do you guys care? Or, yeah, like, you guys aren't that. And it's like... What do you mean? I'm not. I'm only popular in Seattle. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the only place Straight I'm up. good. That's the only place my face is clean. Like everywhere else, I'm just another. Br- I'm just another brother that I'm fortunate enough to have a nice car. They yeah. might let me slide. You know what I'm saying? Like outside of that, I'm just. I'm just another brother. So it's like, it's like, how can I not care when I see what my brothers are going through? How can I not care? Because that could easily be us. I seen what my man went through in Vegas. I seen what people are going through. Like, Bro, how like, could you not? Like, how like, could you not care? It's like when people see, you know. When think money changes things. You know, when things. people see, like, a soldier come back from war and he missing a leg or he a soldier died, people are empathetic to that. But like you said, when they see Tamir Rice, we watching a young boy do what young boys do. They play make-believe. They play with fake guns. They want to be cops and robbers. They do all this stuff. But why, when we send our kids out the house, that we got to feel like they're not going to come back? We feel like the world isn't a safe haven for them. We want to keep our kids within the doors because we just don't know what the world has in store for them. And for us, we shouldn't feel like that as a human being or, or just being American. A, American yeah, but no. it's like well, people know what our people have done for this country. We've bled for this country. We fought for this country. We came back from wars and still been dehumanized. Lack of opportunities, no jobs. We've played in big games and still still been treated bad. So our women have been de- you know, dehumanized, our kids have. So I don't get why people just don't want to believe the history of what, what it is to be black in America. And I think sometimes his not not having that and and also too our young people need to understand that too, what we've been through in America and what they're living in what now is the, is is the past. I mean, so I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's what ha- what they did to Kaepernick was just it was just messed up and I think we let it happen. Well, well, gentlemen, I appreciate y'all for coming through. Y'all are both well-spoken men. And um, why we gotta be well-spoken? Why we just can't be men? Because y'all are well-spoken <laughs> men. And well, now, if you say y'all are well-spoken athletes or black men, then yeah. But well-spoken men is okay. So you just looking for a reason to be offended. <laughs> I'm, I'm offended already. I woke up offended this yeah. morning. I woke up. Like, I, 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 done, I done did this hour-long interview. Y'all no, done, y'all gonna just. Something else. I, it's not even an interview. It's kind of one of those things where we're just talking real talk. I think we're getting the opportunity to express who we are as people. And people don't see enough of what the essence of who we are. They just see us catching touchdowns and pass. And now we people get to know that we really stand for something. I think um, as an athlete, you, you people talk about legacy. And you think your legacy is how many touchdowns you score, how many passes you get, how many sacks, how much money you make. But it's like our true legacy is how can we build can those change. bridges from our communities and to – moving them into the 21st century in a new way. And I think Cliff does that. I think a lot of young men are doing that now. You guys are doing that okay. in every single way. So this is how this good. Again, man, I appreciate y'all for coming through to the podcast, The Thread Live. It's been real, man. By the time y'all had us on here, and, uh, you know, hopefully season 10, sure get we'll get back, we get back on here. <laughs> and um, yeah, and the we, great we, pod guy Charlemagne once said, we're either here to educate you or inform you. Hopefully we did one of the two. I am your host, E to the T. I'm your girl, Rudy, two E's, no hugs. I have my check at the end.
No, and, I'm joking. Before everybody charge you. <laughs> and, and they call me Turk. Always remember, when plotting world domination, get your three best friends in a text message thread and come up with the play. When you need interesting perspective on world issues, turn on the thread. We out.